so first of all, for liquidity providers, you can put your portfolio as you have it as liquidity. You don't need to just take a slice and put it in one pool. Whereas 50 mm -hmm. 50 with two tokens, you can say, okay, I have this portfolio of five coins in weird ratios to each other, and I can just take it and put it into a liquidity pool and get yield on that. Welcome to the Cardano Source Podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Edwards, and on this weekly podcast, I catch up with a range of Cardano innovators, thought leaders, and changemakers who are using Cardano to make an impact within the world of cryptocurrency and beyond. As Charles Hoskinson puts it, we are Cardano, and if you permit us, we'd like to change the world. If that sounds like you, then make sure to subscribe, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Blaine Edwards, and today we're joined by Chris, founder of Merca, a Prieto Optimal DEX currently being built on Cardano. So, Chris, brother, cheers for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Uh, we, we've had a little chat pre-recording, and I think uh, uh, we probably would be good friends in the real world, so I'm excited for this conversation. Um, to kick us off, though, I'd love for you to do a quick introduction on who you are and also tell a brief story around how you got into this beautiful world of cryptocurrency. So again, I'm Chris. I studied computer science, bachelor master in Germany. Um, when I started studying, I was a little bit disappointed to the life plan that everyone seemed to tell me I was supposed to do. I'm going to, I should study and I should look for a good job. And then I should die, <laughs> essentially. Um, <laughs> so I don't take too much of the rent pool, right? <laughs> but no, I mean, but I mean, this is not an unusual story for people in my age and in this um, industry. But essentially, I figured, okay, what do I want to do in my life? And I figured what's good is not dying. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, people are really complicated biologically. And figuring that out would take forever. And I mean, luckily, we can build machines to think for us or to help us not to think for us. It's not separate, but to assist us in thinking. Yeah. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go into AI. Of course, back then, even more than now, people were like, haha, this is science fiction. And it's true, it is science fiction, but everything, so is cars and fire and, you know, um, you just have to try it. And I figured, okay, this is a good thing to do in my life. Try to fight, essentially. Hmm. And the, the concept of a revolt is something that I like. It's, it's something where you fight without the expectation of winning necessarily, just so you can look in the mirror and say, okay, if I lose, I went down fighting, right? Hmm. Mm, yeah, so I went into AI um, in my studies. I focused on that and the thing is with AI, it's a lot of what we call this nowadays AI is more machine learning, which is more like statistics 2.0. And the 2.0 is um, important. It's like comparing the 16 chapel with someone just painting the wall white, you know, and it's very good statistics, but it's in the end of the day, it's not like this beep boop, what are those feelings I'm feeling, right? It's not real AI, how we expect it. Um, after a while, I also figured that we have so many biological intelligences, so many people who are like not using their potential, right? Who are busy in stupid jobs where they have to do stupid things so they can justify to the system their survival that they get food and housing and everything. 
also as social beings, there's never enough, right? If you decide to want to live in a, in a van and just do things, you're going to take a big social hit. Mm -hmm. um, I was unsatisfied with that. And I mean, I had the same expectation for myself. Okay, what are you going to do? Either you live in a van or you're going to sit in a job where you waste your time. Um, because everyone, at least with AI, everyone wants to do it. Okay, not everyone, but more people than there are jobs. And I figured, okay, what if we can just use those people who are smarter than this AI that we have nowadays and that are, by the way, very expensive to train and everything? Why can't we use them and give them a purpose and give them a way to earn money by doing something that's actually useful? Mm. And the way people are organized is, well, with organizations. And this was the last big social invention that we had. People tend to be a little bit blind towards social innovations, but invasion of the, the invention of the organization was actually a really huge deal, right? Now everything is an organization, or most things are an organization, right? There's this book, The Fourth Economy, or The Fourth Industrial Revolution. Both books exist, and they both say the same things. I'm not sure which one I'm referring to, but essentially said, okay, in the beginning, there's always one constraint resource and one social innovation that works with this resource. And then the next one. For example, there was land that was the constraint research because you could use it to grow food and that is quite useful for not dying. Um, then you had nation states that were tasked with administering and fighting over and organizing this land. And this became so efficient that we got people who got into industry, who managed to build machines, industrial revolution, right? And then we got then the constraining factor wasn't land, but capital, because if you want to build a railway from East Coast to West Coast in the US, for example, you need to first purchase material. So then we got the banks and they become a new dominant force and the nation states a little bit went into the background. And a new constraint resource was the money or the capital to more general. It's not really about money, it's about capital, right? About trust. And then we figured that out. And then the constraining resource became knowledge or knowledge workers that now you need people who need to know, who know how to build railways, how need, who know how to program computers, who know how to do all kinds of things. And then the constraining limit, and this is where we are today, is the knowledge worker. And to facilitate them, we invented the organization, essentially a corporation. According to this book, the flipping point where the organization started to dominate the bank was in the 60s, where IBM essentially gave the middle finger to Morgan Stanley over some dispute they had, and they essentially they won. And Morgan Stanley said, okay, fine, we're doing your way. And so now the dominant social institution that we have is the organization. Again, the others also exist, but this is like the latest cool thing that we got. Hmm. And the point of this book, or of those books, is that we are on the brink of the fourth industrial revolution which is enabled by blockchain. <laughs> um, and that means now that we have a lot of knowledge workers that are going to be, that are, that are essentially being produced on the whole planet. And they are kind of dissatisfied because they're reporting that they're wasting their time in inefficient structures. And what we have now, the limiting factor is entrepreneurship. That um, a former colleague of mine, I was working as a data consultant who was, and a lot of my colleagues were working with cloud platforms he was saying, it's so crazy. I can now, I click to can click together a whole co company on a weekend, right? You can just, you don't need to administer any servers. You go to some cloud platform of your choice and say, I would like to have a database and a Kafka 
and a VM and a Kubernetes, and I want to have those open source things running there. And then you have you can hire some some remote workers for day-to-day um, -day business stuff like customer service and such for coding, and then you have it. Another friend of mine is developing um, a platform where you essentially can make podcasts really, really easily. And I didn't even recognize it as, as a problem because I never did a podcast. But just thinking that you need to have the software where you need to, to edit your videos, you need to have, have a, at least whenever there's, there's some kind of expertise, you have a huge stack of tooling that you need to learn. And he, he is building something with different open source tools on a website where you can just, you don't even need to record it. You, have some, you can write something text to speech, make it nice, make some background music, format it and everything and bringing just all those things together that the barrier of entry is very low. And yeah, so entrepreneurship gets enabled by technology. Mm -hmm. And one way that blockchain facilitates that to be more exact um, smart contracts is by, okay, I need to go back to the beginning to choose a different sentence. <laughs> I yeah, want yeah, to start. Yeah. Um, the basic building blocks of those organizations and I like to say they are the most powerful beings that we have, the super organisms. I mean, there are other super organisms like Asian states, but organizations are one of them. Mm -hmm. They are built out of three things. They are built out of people, or like you can say agents in a more general way, because an agent can also be a corporation or an yeah. AI or software, whatever. Mm -hmm. Game theory and contracts. And I was never much into this kind of um, business side of things, how you build an organization, because I always had this intuition. You have a whole lot of boilerplate that you need to do. You need to have money for lawyers and you have to hire managers to manage all the people so they can work together in a good way. And then you have to deal with politics and you need to set it up in a way that you're not harmed by politics and everything. But when I learned about smart contracts, I mean, I learned about them before, but when I made this connection between smart contracts and the organization, I figured, okay, now I can program essentially as a, a pitch for an organization at home without wearing pants, right? <laughs> and I can just like now Are when I write an open source code, um, at this moment I can't make any concrete statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm wearing pants here. Okay, I can't lift my yeah. legs so high. I believe but, you. I believe you. <laughs> I'm wearing very pants. Yeah. Same. Um, <laughs> that's also um, something to hear. Um, okay. So I figured instead of building, for example, some chat application or contributing some operating system, I can just build an organization, right? I can just say, okay, this is the way we work together and publish it and market it a bit. And if people like it, it's going to be a thing. Essentially, I can do game theory, take a game theory book and a book about smart contract development and I stick them together. And then if it works, it works. Also, other people can do it. They can iterate over it. If I do something wrong, they can just fork it. What we have, for example, seen what SushiSwap did to Uniswap, right? Mm -hmm. They just said, okay, you what you did is cool, but the tokenomics suck. So we're just making copy-paste and the game theoretic attack, the vampire attack, to just take the liquidity over. And that worked, kind of. Interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This is yeah. also why I'm kind of pissed over those ridiculous regulations they're proposing, because this is going to reintroduce this huge boilerplate of paperwork to the thing where you can essentially quickly build things and iterate over them and don't need to worry about, right? Imagine if you wrote computer code and you need to spend like five, six figure amount for each iteration, doesn't work. It's just 
mm. friction to the moon. Yeah, interesting. So with um, it seems like blockchain was kind of a piece of the puzzle of a larger kind of thing. So you're, you're talking talking about the the fourth industrial resolution revolution, sorry, yes. and you're saying that um, blockchain is, I guess, uh, a tool that enables this revolution to happen to happen the fourth industrial revolution could you summarize that like in a sentence like what what is the what are the key uh, factors of the fourth industrial re re uh, revolution um just so i can wrap my head around it and then we can kind of go from there yeah i have a very good sentence for it by having the financial transaction costs tend to zero the size of the average organization will tend to one Interesting. so everyone will essentially be their own organization and there's going to be more like a network of those one-person organizations. For example, I contribute to some system, right? Yeah. I get some tokens for it. I stop contributing because I'm bored. The system goes big. My token rises in value. I'm In the meantime, I'm contributing to some other project. I'm getting some tokens there. Maybe this doesn't work out. So this is not really valuable. But I can essentially, I can choose to contribute to something. I'm getting tokens. Um, and then, yeah. I get essentially I get the value forwarded that I contribute and other people contribute. And I can diversify my efforts and I don't need to have a work contract where I listen to people. I can essentially say, okay, I don't want this anymore. And I just stop contributing. I can even sell it, you know, if yeah. I don't believe in the project anymore. It's like mon bringing monetarization to open source. You're not okay. just coding for free because it's fun. You're coding for free because it's fun and you're not for free. Okay. You're coding because it's fun and you're getting some tokens for it. So you're getting some kind of share in what you did. And this is just what I loved. This is also something I want to build at some point. Okay, so the fourth industrial revolution, is it kind of to do with individuals having free agency and having technology that enables them to act as single agents as opposed to having forcing them to be as part of a large organization? Is that what you're saying? Like you're saying that um, these organizations can like boil down to to just the individual um like is the individual like what's so i know like if someone said like the industrial revolution like say a century ago it was all to do with i guess all these pretty much industrialization like all these factories that are able to mm -hmm. kind of speed up the processing of making things so you can kind of attribute that revolution to these factories and machines and whatnot what is the thing for this one? I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Is it to sure. do with knowledge and like information traveling at the speed of light, which enables um, kind of empowering certain individuals because they can kind of share information and trade and have money and buy things pretty much at the speed of light because everything is information on this blockchain and, and information travels at the speed of light kind of thing. Like what is, what is the machine like the in, like a factory to the revolution a century ago or two cent whatever it was like the previous one the the key thing was these factories yeah what is it what is that thing mm -hmm. now smart contract smart contracts it essentially it's a better operating system to build organizations right if i want to write a letter i need to get a piece of paper i need to write it i need to put a sticker on it i need to go outside physically. I need to locate one of those weird boxes I read in a book where you put in the letter and then some other person comes the next day and fetches it and physically carries it to someone else or I can just write an email. Okay. And this is the same principle. 
Okay. Um, I can just everything so much faster that I can yeah, yeah. iterate at lightning speed and I have so little barriers of entry that everyone can do it and we get a campaign explosion okay. of organizations. So a key part of it is just the, the, the production has increased in speed through the three things like smart, like a big part of it is just the, the value, um, the production of value is increased through to tools such as smart contracts, like the factories a hundred years ago, you could whip out all these cars and different things really quickly. People could buy mm -hmm. these things at a cheaper price because they could produce more. Um, smart contracts is kind of taking that to the next level. Like the, the value is um, produced at a more rapid, more rapid rate. Yeah, the, the part of it. value of entry sinks so much that you now you couldn't you could rip out cars hundred years ago and now you can rip out organizations. And because we are good at making cars already, but we have so many tools that it's again we need entrepreneurs to organize those tools to do mm -hmm. something with those tools they're just lying around. Mm -hmm. And normally the traditional way is to do this with an organization with work contracts and all this paperwork. And now I can just rip out a pitch essentially by coding it and saying, okay, this is my proposal. Does anyone want to join? And then people can join. And if they don't like it, they can change it mm. and make their own version of it. And I don't need to pay lawyers. And maybe I now I will need to add a story, but the yeah. core idea is that. Yeah. And that's probably um, quite empowering then from like individual point of view, because there's a exactly. lot more power for, for an individual to say, convert an idea into something that has some tangible value um, they don't have to kind of get a job at apple to realize that dream um, there's a lot more opportunities to leverage new technology to convert some idea into something pretty cool and valuable for different people different people in the yep. world okay i think i've got my head around that which is cool but let's um let's go back to merca Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what that is, and then we can tie that, yes. like we can go from there and then tie in all these more macro topics into, into Merca and, and the stacks that you're building. So what is Merca? It's a decentralized exchange on Cardano, and I've, I would say it's one of the best because okay. I have some things that don't exist anywhere else, not even on Ethereum, right? I looked at some features. I started at the beginning of the year, I figured, okay, I need to build some things on Cardano. And I start with something easy, a DEX, um, like Uniswap, very simple, multiplication. I dug into it a bit and I figured, okay, there are other nice features, Banker, Balancer, Curve, and so on, Kyber, and all of them have some neat little features. And I said, okay, I need to have that too. I can't just build a suboptimal solution that would be maybe smart from a business standpoint. But I wasn't smart from a business standpoint. I was being a perfectionist. And then I did a lot of math. And I figured out a way to unify all those features. So now we can offer, again, a lot of features that are in on Ethereum distributed over different chains and over different projects. And we can offer them on Cardano, which at first even, even enables that. Because with the, with the cheap cost, on Cardano and a better UTXO model, you can deal with more UTXO model. You, you can you can rely, you can trust your money easier, and you can implement more complicated fintech. Because the, the, by the way, innovation from Uniswap was that they had this super simple constant product um, value equation. It's essentially like 
to simplify, it's just like the liquidity pool, it just calculates a product of two numbers, and then it says if the trade goes through or not. This is super mm -hmm. simple and cheap. And But there is better fintech out there, but it's costly to implement on Ethereum or to execute, to be exact, from the gas costs. Mm -hmm. On Cardano, you don't have this problem because it's way more efficient and cheap, mm -hmm. so you can build more fancy things. Okay. Okay, so on Uniswap, um, because of the limitation of the Ethereum blockchain, because every step requires is like a transaction fee kind of thing. And so the more steps that you have, the higher that that price is going to be to ex execute that trade. Um, but in reality, there are far more efficient processes uh, or ways of doing a trade that require more steps. And because they require more steps, they need a blockchain where each step is not super expensive, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Right, yeah. So what does that process so, look like for you? So if, if there is a more efficient way to kind of do a trade um, or like a, a better way to do that trade that requires more steps, how is it better and what does that process look like for you guys? So first, so first of all, we are using um, a constant product, a constant market maker that essentially results in it's very similar to the constant product market maker. The constant product market maker works as a special case of the constant mean market maker. And it allows you to have portfolio pools, like in Balancer, where you have not only two assets that are weighted 50-50 against each other. Let's say you want to private liquidity on Uniswap, right? Let's say you want to provide Bitcoin Ethereum or wrap Bitcoin Ethereum. On, on Uniswap, and then you need to put them in in a ratio of 50-50, essentially, right, of the value that you put in. And that really doesn't reflect most people's portfolios. If I, for example, I have a portfolio that consists of 80% ADA, 15% AGIX, and 5%, of course, I like AGIX, yeah, <laughs> um, <I do> <laughs> 5% 5, 5 um, Mirko, and how do I reflect that in how do I provide liquidity with this kind of strange maker? And for that, you have portfolio pools. And the portfolio pools, they work with this constant mean market maker functionality. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. What are yeah, some I mean, other... I can talk the whole day about features if you don't stop me, but yeah. Yeah, okay. So what are some other, I guess, because there are a number of DEXs um, in the crypto universe in general, and there's mm -hmm. also quite a few being built currently on Cardano. Um, what are some of the key points of difference uh, that Merca has uh, compared to these other ones? Like, what is your, um, how would you differentiate yourself from the rest of them? Or why would people come to you and use your decks compared to another one? So first of all, for liquidity providers, you can, ref you can put your portfolio as you have it, as liquidity. You don't need to just take a slice and put it in one pool. Whereas 50-50 with two tokens, you can say, okay, I have this portfolio of five coins in weird ratios to each other, and I can just take it and put it into a liquidity pool and get yield on that. Okay, well, that's huge in itself. Mm. Okay, so that's, because that's obviously that's a big limit. That's the best part. Yeah, okay, that's, okay, that alone is pretty big. Okay, so let's break that down. So I know, um, obviously, a big limitation for, um, being a liquidity provider is that when you provide liquidity and the kind of, at least how the, how people provide liquidity at the moment is you have to provide it at a one-to-one -one ratio. So if you're 
providing liquidity to a ADA and Bitcoin pool, for example, you have to provide 50% uh, ADA, 50% Bitcoin. And there are risks associated with that through impermanent loss, because if there's any deviation in, in the value of either one of these tokens after you provide liquidity, because it's always a constant of 50-50, there can be some loss there um, because yes. the liquidity token is always at a 50-50. So pretty much if there's ever a deviation in price, you suffer from impermanent loss, but then that can be mitigated by the high yield potentially. So there's, there's quite a lot of things you need to wrap your head around as a liquidity provider. And, um, you know, this is something that I had to learn myself when I first provided liquidity on PancakeSwap. Like I saw these high APRs, it's like hundreds of percent. And you're like, oh, this is, this is cool. This is cool. And then you kind of, you, you learn more about it and you realize that this percentage is quite high because it's kind of mitigating uh, any potential things with impermanent loss. So that's one thing to consider. But you're saying with your decks, you don't have to provide liquidity at a 50-50 ratio. You can pretty much provide liquidity based on just what your portfolio looks like. Yes, and that already mitigates impermanent loss, but this is not the only thing that we do to mitigate that. So how, how do you ensure that there's always liquidity within a trading pair? If there is like such diversity in terms of people providing liquidity, liquidity, like how does that work when, like how can you ensure that there's always got to be enough of Cardano or enough of Ethereum? Let's just use those two examples in the liquidity. How can you ensure that there's always got to be enough of that in that particular uh, liquidity pool if that liquidity is made up of a diverse range of other tokens? Like how does, can you step through like how that actually is how that actually works. Okay, I will try. Okay. Um, so until a few days ago, the answer to that was that I built a, um, um, a trade optimizer that calculates how to split your trade optimally over all those diverse pools. And this is still a feature because it allows you to optimize over other DEXs too. So essentially a DEX aggregator falls out of it, um, which has a whole lot of other game theoretical implications. It means that Dex game is not anymore a winner takes it all game, but it's more like the concrete decks that you're using. It's just a funny label on the pool because you're going to go to the aggregator front end and it's going to compute the optimal trade and liquidity provision distribution for you on the side note. But a few days ago, I refined the system um, so that we don't need this thing, this, this um, trade optimizer. I mean, we're still going to have it at some point, but Right now I have an even simpler system where, I mean, I don't know how to explain it without going to technical details, but essentially <laughs> it does that, right? And okay. um, yeah. Okay, and if people want to, is this information on your like website or on your white paper for those that want to kind of learn more about the technicalities? I mean, we have a light paper that describes the features. We are very careful not to release any details on how to do things. Uh, okay. Okay, so I there's like the secret recipe. Yeah, exactly. I made a video okay. about one part of the secret recipe, but I took it offline again. Um, because again, it's um, not the secret, it's not the core part. I figured back then it's a freebie, whoever wants it can take it. If this helps someone out, we have enough other features, but then I decided, okay, it's even better 
not to give out this freebie. Um, I discussed it with with some people from other DEXs, and they have similar solutions. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's a secret, kind of like the KFC secret herbs and spices little mix. Is there some? Um, is that something that you want to keep secret moving forward, or is this like current? currently at the moment, like what is your thoughts around that? Cause I know obviously in, in blockchain, there's a big idea on open source and um, all that kind of stuff. Is this something that you want to just kind of keep, keep as the secret herbs and spices? No, no, we have to reveal it at some at point. Some point just not at the moment. Decision to keep it secret until we are kind of get the ball rolling. But the whole idea of this is, of this DEX is, I mean, the previous title was Anaco Mathematical DEX. Then people informed me that when I when they hear anarcho, they think I want to burn down cop cars, which I don't. I just <laughs> meant <laughs> I just meant that I don't like anarchism means lack of uh, rulers, not lack of rules. You know, okay. I want to have the thing. I don't want to be like the head honcho who sits on it, and I want to have it so open that everyone thinks, oh, I can be part of it, and if I contribute, I'm going to be the owner, right? Yeah. If, and yeah. I, again, I have other projects that are coming next that are done doing one of them is Vaya Collective, which has to do with producing clothing in Africa in a decentralized mm -hmm. way, providing microcredits to people who want to produce this and who have a track record to show on the Cardano blockchain that they already produce things that are certified and everything. Um, and another thing where what I'm excited about is um, it's called Cephal AI where we are working on right now, we have almost 50 page white paper now, but this is a very cool decentralized AI thing. I don't want to spoil so much, but it's really, yeah. it's really- Well, maybe in, in the future, we can um, do a podcast about it when you're at a, at a place. Yeah. So you, you've got your, um, you're interested in a lot of different things then by the sounds of it. And you're, mm -hmm. um, before the we started recording, um, it seems like you're, you're really going all diving deep into trying to, change the world as, as best as you can. And so this is Mercury is one kind of thing that you're working on and you're working on some other things as well. Uh, I'd love to talk about the, so the actual on your website, you say it's the Predo optimal decks. So my understanding of the Predo principle is that roughly along the lines of 80% of the consequences are due to roughly kind of 20% of the causes kind of thing. Like it's something along those lines. Can you, how does that then translate into a Pareto optimal DEX? Like how does, how does that tie into that name? That's another Pareto thing. Oh, a different um, thing. What, yeah, Pareto was, had invented many things, but this, what I mean is a Pareto optimum is, it's essentially, it's a fancy way to say optimal. Okay, I'm being a smart ass by calling it Pareto optimal because uh, it just means it means if you have multiple things that you optimize for, for example, in our case, we want to try to be socially ethically as, as good as possible. And we want to be mathematically optimal, right? And gotcha. Pareto optimal just means if you increase into one regard, you would have to increase to would lower the other thing. And of course, there are many Pareto optimal things. You can be a little bit more ethical and a little, little bit less mathematical. I don't know, but for an example, or you could have another Pareto optimum where you're better on the mathematical side and worse on the ethical side and both would be Pareto optima if 
increasing one of the factors would mean lowering the other. It's essentially, it's just the smartest way to say optimal, but <laughs> optimal sounds more arrogant than Pareto optimal. <laughs> uh, so, interesting. Okay, so I'm a bit of a noob. I've, I was only familiar with the Pareto principle. So um, yeah. you're obviously a lot smarter than I am with that. Okay, so it's just a cool, it's a, like a, a better way of saying a really optimal DEX, but optimal based on a couple of different fronts. So you mentioned optimal in terms of mathematics, optimal in terms of, so you said ethics. Can you mm -hmm. elaborate on that? So obviously you're trying to factor that into an optimal DEX. How are you, what different metrics of ethics are you factoring into this? Yeah, so again, like I said, I want it to be like an anarchist thing um, in the sense that I, I, for example, we have very good tokenomics. I take 3% and 5% goes to the team, to the founding team. Um, and I want this at 12% are going to be saved for later use and 80% is going to go to delegators, the delegated stake pool, which later are going to be liquidity providers also. So I want this to be a thing I always say, I'd rather have a small slice of a huge cake instead of a big slice of nothing, right? I want this to be a thing where I essentially I relax and not try to be greedy and by it being open and fair, more people are going to be attracted to it and going to say, this is awesome. I can be part of it. I'm not going to be exploited if I contribute here. And that thereby it grows and my tiny share becomes an absolute numbers bigger. And this is the principal way how I'm doing things. Hmm. Um, you can do it differently properly, but this sounded way too stressful for me trying to cut corners and extract a lot of value. And also it's not necessary anymore for me. I made some good games with Cardano. Sorry for bragging. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay okay i get you i get you so let's let's talk about the, the the token a bit then um how can people get their hands on it i guess at the moment they can delegate to the mrqr stake pool essentially okay and, and we're going to airdrop it and yeah oh yeah so so how does how does that work so they delegate to that pool and then mm -hmm they they earn like how does like let's say if i delegate 100 ada like is there like a like a like a rule where each ada that you delegate you get x amount of the merca token like how does um that work and do you get ada does it happen like a traditional stake pool where you you delegate your ada you get ada rewards plus your merca token or is that yes, you delegate your ADA and then... I hope there's not too much. Yeah. So how does how does that... Is there like a, a formula to how how, how much um, Merca you get or how many Merca yes. tokens you get for per, per ADA? Like, is there a formula for that? Mm, yeah. Um, I'm just distracted because the doorbell ring, I hope it's going to go away. <laughs> oh. um, so the idea is, first of all, the value of a token is only relative to the other tokens. So we are mostly dealing in percentages and in absolute numbers. That being said, on our website, we have a calculator where you can get an estimation. The way it works is that each epoch from beginning of the stake pool in August 2020 to in basically forever with a decreasing supply schedule, each epoch, there's going to be a fixed amount of Mercor airdropped. And this fixed amount of Mercor is going to be distributed 
among the delegators of that particular epoch in proportion to the delegation. So essentially two factors, or maybe three factors, depending on how you look at it, let's say, let's stick with two, are going to influence how many tokens you get. First, the longer you delegate, and second, the more percentage of total stake you delegate. So this is where you can split this percentage into two factors. That means the absolute number you delegate and the absolute number that is already there. But yeah, so essentially the bigger your percentage-wise contribution is, the more we need essentially your, your delegation and the longer you put it in, the more tokens you're going to get. Okay, so if one factor is you get more the longer that you delegate. And the other factor is, do you get more for the more that you delegate? as a proportion of the total that has been staked or delegated? Yes. Okay. That is essentially meant to reward people who make a better contribution. Like in the, when this pool is small, like let's say if we have 500K ADA and you delegate 100K ADA, you have like, you can't erase it by um, like 20%, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. But if there's 5 million ADA and you, you already erase it by 2%. If you delegated 100k, so if you come late to the party, you're not going to get as much. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay, so there's, I guess, two main two main factors: the the time that you stake, and then also the the number of tokens that you stake as a proportion to the total. And there is a calculator on your website that you mentioned where people can plug in some numbers and get a an estimate of yep. of, of rewards. Okay. So. The nice thing about this is that it aligns incentives, right? If you think we are not delivering and if you're disappointed in anything we do, you can just stop delegating and then we don't get the um, delegation anymore, right? And you're not stuck with it essentially. And also you're not delegating at any opportunity cost because we have 1% fees. It's essentially a freebie. You get a normal ADAS. Um, right now we are performing quite well. We are like 16, 17% saturated. So that's about, I don't know, more than 10 million ADA is, is with us right now. Mm -hmm. So this is, by the way, this is concrete currency that's, that wants our token. So real yeah. people. Real okay. people. <laughs> Equating currency and people could be questionable, but you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. economic weight behind it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So a lot of people are kind of, um, uh, they have read your, I guess they've gone to your website, they've, they've seen your concept and what you're trying to do, obviously dig that the idea enough for them to actually delegate their, their real ADA into this thing and, uh, and, and your token. So they, they get airdrop to them. Um, and how about the roadmap? So things are obviously heating up with Cardano at the moment. And it seems like every person I speak to in the space is just, you know, under the pump, um, working, working over, like extra long hours to get things done. Um, so with, with uh, you and your team, what does the roadmap look like for, uh, I guess, the rest of the year, first and foremost? What does that look like for you guys? This is so incredibly hard to say because it changes every three days. Right now, like two days ago, I figured out a way that we don't need the trade optimizer right away, right? So we can first focus on other things. Then I found some other optimizations that I need to implement now. And essentially everything we, we are building and then we need to change things. And I, don't, I can't say so much on the roadmap. Our goal is of course to be finished 
on the smart wind, smart contracts launch, but goals and reality, I'm not saying we are going to be. It's just, it looks good. It's not unrealistic, but I'm also an overconfident person. So make of that what you will. Okay. So I think one thing, um, if you're interested and want to keep track of everything, just, I guess, follow you guys on social media and uh, you can keep up to date with everything. But as a general rule, I and think you can ask, Sorry, but I want just to say it's, we pride ourselves that we answer all the questions. So we're not deleting any un, unpopular questions or any criticism, you know, I will really want to encourage people. This is what I mean with ethical optimum. If you think there's something that's not optimal, you can tell us. And if you're right, we can change it, right? We are going okay. to ask the delegators soon about some decisions. We are trying to emulate the governance mechanism before smart contracts um, on Discord so that you can validate yourself with your with your stake address. And if you want to do that, and then we're already going to simulate a vote in some Excel sheet and see with because you have some decisions to ask um, regarding the tokenomics and such, how we want to proceed. And we really, we want this from get-go to be something where no one ever can say anything bad, you know? Mm. And we really encourage everyone to come there, ask questions, discuss with us, give feedback, just yeah. sorry for interrupting, but this is really important to me. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's um, you know, obviously, um, this is is an exciting time for everyone at the moment. Like that's into the space, whether you're developing a new product or you're like a consumer or you're just an investor. Like it's just generally a really exciting time, especially the last couple of days. Cardano has been pumping, um, but oh, yes. <laughs> but um, people get really excited and they they can get quite emotive and. Um, I think it's quite important to to kind of hear out the, the feedback, I guess, uh, no matter how critical it is, especially if you're taking the stance of um, really, like you're saying, being like uh, Pareto optimal in terms of you know, ethics and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I think a big part of that equation is kind of accepting all feedback, no matter, no matter what that looks like. So it's cool that you're kind of embracing that and like actually seeking it. I think that's pretty cool because I think it'd be quite easy uh, for people to be like, uh, hold off your uh, constructive criticism. Like maybe send us an email. Don't check it up on Twitter. Like I don't want to deal with that. Like I, I could understand. I could see. Or just delete it from the Discord. Yeah, right? or just like, oh, yeah, you, we, we're accepting all feedback, but if it's too hard, we'll delete it. Like it's it's cool that you're um kind of really being really, really open angry, about. By that. the way, that just works. Yeah, I feel like I, I get you. I mean, it's, it's almost like every comment should be on the blockchain, so it's, it can't get deleted. It's like, um, yeah, but that's kind of a separate story. But yeah, it's cool that you're open about that because that is that is quite important, uh, especially it's in line with the blockchain values of being transparent and, and everything like that. Like it's, you can't just cherry pick what you want to be transparent about. So yeah, cool. Kudos for that. Um, on that particular note, how can people connect with you and ask these um, hard questions? Discord, Telegram, Twitter, Reddit is what we have. Yeah. And the Merca team. So obviously you're you're the founder, you're you're a key part of the team. Have you talked about like who else is working behind the scenes to make this idea a tangible real world thing? Yeah, so we have um, one designer, um, we have one community manager, we have 
um, Ben, he's our operations guy. We have Carl, he's an engineer. Yeah, I have, and we have Omar, who is also a smart contract engineer. Um, and we have a new guy joining who's a FinTech AI guy who's going to add an even cooler feature to the DEX. I'm just going to tease this. But uh, so my, my general idea for this thing, I, I hope this audience was on the website. I'm trying to focus on the tech, um, but we have good community people and to do a lot of very good work. I'm really impressed um, because this is really necessary. And you can't just have a guy sitting under, under a rock and drawing circles, you know. Um, yeah. But I, I want to stress the long-term vision is what I just said earlier is that this is a project that's owned by the community where, and I hope that every project is going to be like that in the future where you can contribute, you get some tokens, right? The, the, the community decides their governance, what they want to put bounties on before something is done or what they want to tip after it's done. And yeah, that people just see, okay, this is open. I'm not being exploited here. If I put some open source code, I'm like, this can be my, my thing. I want this to fly essentially, right? It's not a joke with the, um, ah, the wings that this guy has. I see, I see. It makes sense. It's it not a sense. thought. It's just someone told me this fits. So <laughs> I'm just repeating it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So on your website, it says uh, there's a guiding principles tab. And on there, you said owned mm -hmm. by the community, research first, and then also no bullshit. Um, yes. I love bleep. the curse. No, no the bull thing. bleep. Um, well, the kids friendly out there. So you're, you're putting, obviously it's obvious based on what you're talking about, that research first is a big part of your philosophy. Also that owned by the community. And that is, I guess, also expressed in terms of the tokenomics as well. That's a very kind of community um, focused tokenomic in terms of the distribution for the community, which is cool. And then the no bullshit, maybe elaborate on the no bullshit. So how was, how was that? <clears throat> shown its way through um through the decks is it more just like through your methodology in terms of problem solving or like is there something else to it as well well there are many ways to bullshit people for example you can buy twitter followers i'm not going to go into that i'm really trying not to but we have some analysis and people are buying twitter followers left and right um, this is why I mentioned that we have over 10 million ADAs that's delegated to us because technically you can buy it, but it's going to be expensive, right? Um, okay. And I really, this is what I mean. Or you can have some ways to lock in your people. There are like so many bad business practices. Yeah. And I just say, we are not doing any of those. If you see us doing any of those, because if you're not saying that, you know, and we're doing a questionable thing, then we can always say, well, we are business people, this is how it works. And then people can't really criticize it. By pre-committing by, by pre that, it's one of our three values, people can really call us out of it. So if you, we can't defend, well, this is just how business is done because it's like, well, we promised that specifically and we are like bigots if we don't adhere to it instead okay. of just smart business-minded people making yeah. good deals, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, like it's, especially with the, because um, you say that quite a bit, obviously people, like bots buying followers or spam comments and stuff like that. I don't where or delete, delete questions with another way to bullshit, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's not a lot, it's not a sustainable strategy. So if you're thinking of doing, if you're building something, you're thinking of, um, kind of 
doing a strategy like that. It's just not a sustainable strategy. So I highly recommend people don't do that. Uh, because also from like a consumer point of view, people are used to that now. Like maybe it yeah. was more effective back in the day, like if that was your style. Um, but people are just- People lot- think they are smart by getting early in in things like Dogecoin, you know? Um, they think, but all those, like there are two parts of investing, right? Sorry for interrupting. It's just no. something that makes me emotional, right? Boil. Yeah, exactly. Like those kind of people think I go, I go to the Dogecoin subreddit and I see that someone is saying, oh, I bought a car with it. But you bought this car with some other sucker who sold after you. There's not, you only made your gains, not by some value that was provided. If you buy ADA and you make some money from it, it's not a pump and dump, you know, it's not like paying hot potato and trying to get in before everyone and going to get out before everyone. It's just there's some real value being built and you get money by supporting, by recognizing this value before anyone else and adding it. But if you have some meme coins, you know, that are just purely up and down, it's essentially gambling. Mm. And I'm not judging people for doing that. I'm saying, okay, if you want to go in the casino and play, you can do that. Mm. But I mean, I have to sneer a bit. You know, <laughs> I have to say, okay, this, this harms the space. People who are not from the space, they're going to see that someone, a friend of their, not them, lost money, right? On investing with um, Dogecoin or whatever those are called nowadays. <laughs> there are so many of them. And then they're going to say this whole industry is a scam. With Via Collective, for example, co-founder of mine, she said, we shouldn't call it blockchain because people will think it's just another scam. And those kind of shitty meme coins, they are contributing to that. So this is why it irks me a bit. And again, as a pretty liberally minded guy, I say, okay, if the people want to gamble, fine. I, it's not my, my, my place to stop them, right? It's, just, it's still affecting everything that's yeah. slow and calculated and proper yeah. in a negative way. I think with cryptocurrency, there's a number of different ways that you can play this game. Like obviously one game is building on top of this tech, which is what you're doing and a number of other people are doing. One way to play the game is to invest. So you're investing in kind of fundamentals and investing in products that you think are solving real world problems. And you think that the value of that will appreciate over time. And then, and then obviously another way that people can play the game is more the gambling or uh, the trading aspect and that isn't based on any fundamentals necessarily it's based on speculation it's based on hype and all these things it is another way of playing the game but um it's a very risky thing and it can be quite detrimental to other games associated with crypto as well so yeah it's uh, it's interesting um We'll see how it plays I mean, out. I'm not trying to hate on people, right? We are building a casino ourselves, so please come and gamble with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I get what you're saying, though. I get what you say. Um, hmm. It's such a new thing, isn't it? Crypto is such a new thing. We've got um, it's exciting at this, but at the same time, we just also need to be careful and, and considerate at the same time. Um, there's a couple of closing questions, uh, but I'd love to go back to the very beginning. Um, uh, it's a uh, when you were talking about kind of how you got into this and you're pondering the meaning of life, I'd love to know what was the answer to that question. Did you get meaning to an answer? Life. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you can be a nihilist until someone pinches you and then you act very much like you believe in pain. So I'm saying something that 
you can't disbelieve is your personal experience. And a good model to anticipate your experience is like pretending there's this world like it is, you know, and with your laws of physics and everything. And okay, that's far too much, far, far too basic <laughs> for all of this. Essentially, I want to do things. I mean, and I can't do those things with the model that was provided to me. And there's another saying from one of my favorite movies, Nymphomaniac by Lars von Trier, I always demanded more from the sunset. When I look at the sunset and everyone is excited about it, I think, okay, this is just some colors, you know, and I want more out of life. And I just don't want this normal model. And for that, I need to build things. And I figured I can't steal those things from other people either. I need to build them. I need to steal them from nature, essentially, right? And the good thing is other people are in the same boat as I. They are also there in this um, scam of an existence, essentially, you know. <laughs> and I essentially, I want to speak to the manager <laughs> and want to get my money. I don't want to get my money back, but I want. I just want more. Like all good things are more, is what you're saying, right? What I'm saying. And I want everyone to join me and be inspired and maybe lead me because I hope that people who are more competent and smarter than I um, come and tell us how to do things. This is also what I expect with this project that people who are smarter than I come and contribute and then we get even more features and because features that I couldn't think of and that people alone can't think of. And then we have a community of nerds who are like in their free time academics and their free time they just contribute and oh, we get tokens, cool. Because they're not feeling like they're helping some exploitative company. Exploitative company can also be on the blockchain. They're helping someone who's of their mind. I started out not as a business person, I started out as a, as a computer scientist, but I realized that you need to do this business side of things. You need to have some value flow and value attribution. And this is, this is my vision, that I can enable the people who are smarter than I am to build things that are great and that help us doing things that people would call science fiction. Interesting. So in a nutshell, life is a scam, but we need to... <laughs> We need to acknowledge that it's a scam, but still try and build epic rainbows and inspire other people to build epic rainbows. And then we create a mega rainbow and we all smile forever. Something oh, like yes, recursive rainbows all the way up. Yes, sweet. I like that, man. That's a good That's a good definition of it. I think you've nailed it. Um, I think the manager of this um, scam is looking down very proudly at the moment. He or it's she or... Please don't smite me. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't put our like... <laughs> cancel about it or like <laughs> okay yeah it's a serious question it might be like uh yeah uh, you look up like maybe it's down or sideways who knows all right so final question oh like so before i before i get oh inside deep before we get to the final question so just um um, so people that want to connect to you and, and support your work i think you mentioned it before but they can connect with you on twitter uh, on your website, uh, do you have any other social media platforms? Discord. Well, I'm personally on LinkedIn, but I don't like it <laughs> for obvious reasons. I'm not the kind of guy you would expect there, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, no, those are the ones essentially. Yeah, but yeah, Telegram. Discord, Telegram, Discord, wherever they Reddit, are, we'll we'll add it all Twitter. on in the description and whatnot, and then people connect can connect with uh you guys and support your work and ask tough questions and all of that. 
and um, inquire so about building. If you want arrangements. to talk to me personally, go to Discord or Telegram because Twitter is mostly being managed by uh, the others and yeah. Reddit also. So okay, sweet. I'm happy to speak to people. Okay, cool. Um, in closing question, mm -hmm. what what inspires you the most about the future of Cardano? Mm. It's with a large margin, the best operating system to build a society, essentially. Mm. That we have right now. All right, so if we're going to remake this world that we all live in, we want to remake this world on a platform that has the, the best fundamentals to do that. Yes. Okay, and so Cardano is that. So if all the change makers out there who are trying to reinvent the wheel or make the wheel, yeah, reinvent the wheel, I guess, is what we're trying to do. Um, we want to build that on, uh, reinvent the wheel on, on, on a platform that just makes the most sense. Uh, at that fundamental level and that is cardano in your opinion it's also my opinion um, but people yes. probably have different opinions out there but that's that's what excites you the most yes nice i like it really looking forward really looking forward to this going Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please feel free to subscribe. Uh, and also, if you like our content, then make sure to check us out on social media with the handle Cardano Source. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode.